0: of the world. You have been taught from birth that the
1: new and, and shiny, shiny is always better. To spend your hard-earned riches on only the flashy and popular, we are here to expose this wrongful path. To show you the better way of gaming,
2: to arouse you from your slumber, and show you the folly of worldly thinking. Cast your lot with us, for we are the Backlog Breakdown.
3: And we are really bad at liberty. And lip syncing, apparently.
4: Yes, and that too. We're bad at a lot of things. Well, that was a lot of fun. I'm sure if you've never played Persona 5, you have no idea what that was all about. Um, but it was a reference to Persona 5 because if you can't tell from the title of this episode, we're talking about Persona 5 today. We talked about Persona 5 last time, but we're talking about it again today i'm your co-host josh we've got nate here on the podcast and returning from two weeks ago mr henshin dad himself wesley ray thank you for coming here again wes thanks for agreeing to come on i know it's blazing hot where you are you have no ac but you decided hey i want to talk about some persona 5 in fact you were so ready to talk about it you wrote our notes today so you're going to school seven pages worth yes exactly (laughs) and and
0: instead of actually like riffing on anything all we're going to do
3: is just read his notes just verbatim that's what we're doing So this will actually be the shortest episode (laughs) yet
4: oh we'll see awesome (laughs) actually you know with that uh we we talked about last episode how over ambitious we believe persona 5 to be or at least that's what i said my words sorry i'm putting those words in your mouth guys bloated um bloated over you know however you decide to take it um we don't want this episode to be over ambitious and it's going to be really difficult because there's so much to talk about uh when we're talking about the story and themes of persona 5 so with that, let's just go ahead and get right into the episode. How are you guys doing? How how have your past 2 weeks been? Uh Wes, let's start with you. You're our guest. Be our guest. What uh what have you been be up to, to the past 2 weeks? Guest,
3: be our guest.
4: I was trying to go for subtlety, but uh you know, if you want to just No. Fine. I was just
3: hoping that Nate would finish that whole song I was like does he really know all the lyrics that would be pretty impressive Uh, actually
0: I probably know more of them than I
3: (laughs) would admit
0: to Mm -hmm. but I do not know all the the lyrics
3: Hmm. well that's okay because my favorite movie when I was a youngster was The Little Mermaid and I probably know every lyric in that entire film so I totally get it I totally get it but anyway (laughs) my last couple weeks well I'm a year older I'm a year wiser I turned 31 and congratulations Nothing feels different except the existential dread, gotta say. <laughs> but, you know, just uh, doing work around my house in the 100 degree weather. It's been wonderful, wonderful with the sunburn and all that, the high humidity. Thank you, Pacific Northwest and all the trees around me for giving me fresh air and tons of humidity. I love it so much. Now, but, do
0: you, you said sunburn. Do you do that? Because, like, I get sunburned. Like, I, I basically initially burn at the beginning of the season. I sort of turn pink sort of red, and then I just turn sort of nut brown. And I don't know if that's just because I've, like, damaged my skin to the point where it's just like, you know what? Whatever, dude.
3: But... Mm-hmm. Here's the difference between you and me, because I'm a true gamer, so I decide to Ooh. stay out of the sun as much as possible. <laughs> oh. So when I actually am out there, I burn, like, a little red lobster to a crisp. <laughs> and it takes me a couple of days to get over that. And I thought, I thought, last Friday actually, that I got the COVID, because I was just feeling oh, fatigued, no. and oh, just... No so terrible and i was like i, I texted the uh, leader of our home group and i'm like i don't think i can come i don't know if i if i'm sick and i don't want to get anybody sick so you know i'm just going to stay here and then the next morning i'm like oh okay i'm just dehydrated okay i get that uh, so.
4: there you go like a fish out of mm-hmm. water
3: i don't know what i'm saying what
4: i mean
0: saying? i f- i feel lobster. you on that heat though man i mean uh, over here it's been like 93 with 50 60 degree like it's been 80s 90s with high humidity and Mm. uh it's awful i have a lot of sympathy this is a joke that i use a lot so if i've said it on the podcast before i'm going to apologize up front uh i have a lot i feel like i have a lot in common with the thanksgiving turkey right
4: now Mm. i'm just uh, i'm being cooked in my own juices all the time there you go all the time you've got stuffing up no nothing never mind i'm not gonna talk like are you tasty Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't imagine
0: that I'm very tasty, especially at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm not nearly as tasty as the Thanksgiving Turkey. I just am sympathetic to the, the cooking in your own juices
2: scenario.
4: (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, that's, that sounds fantastic. So birthdays for Wes. That's fantastic. Nate, how have your past two weeks been outside of, of cooking in your own juices anything exciting oh, go on
0: uh well my my folks came in and they they actually for a couple of days and they had uh my brother-in-law is deployed he's in the army he's deployed to afghanistan hmm. right now and so my, my parents have had uh my nephew cademan so they had him for you know they've had him for a few weeks and so they brought him out for a weekend things are fine i mean uh it, i mean that was good it was good to spend time with them we did some fun activities. I, have you guys ever had gelati or gelato? Gelato,
4: mm. yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
0: Like the the custard and layers of Italian ice. There's a place out here that makes it. Now the, the place calls it. It's called the 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 outfit is called the Meadows, and it's the, it's a custard place, right? Okay. They make a gelati or gelato cake. Hmm. So and like like for twenty bucks. I can get this giant like thing of gelato. My my actual favorite flavor combination is mango and vanilla. But anyways, so we the only reason I bring that up is because we we took before they left. Like as they were actually sort of like getting back on the highway, we, we took them out to the meadows. We had uh, custard and gelato, and and then they drove off. But I had mango and vanilla, mm. uh, mango ice and vanilla custard. And it's it is pretty on point. Nice. Um it's uh, it's no birthday, but no. uh Wes, I I do, you know, I also feel sympathy for the existential dread because uh <laughs> it just you know, I'm I'm a little further down that track than you and it I'm just going to say it just it doesn't go away. <laughs> it,
3: just, it just sort of piles on. So you also stay up till midnight on the night of your birth and you're just like what what is going on here? It's just like <laughs> Free falling in a void of blackness and Uh, regret. Usually, what
0: I I don't actually pay a whole lot of attention to my birthday. Like I usually take some time off around my birthday, but it's like one of those things where I just kind of like I'm getting old. It's like you know I like it's there, but after a while you're just like, okay. Like I I think like into your thirties, you're a little more like oh I'm getting like older, and then next year it'll be forty for me. And so I'm like, I, I'm just like I'm dirt, <laughs> like, I'm just walking worm food at this point, like
3: turkey dirt so, at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 turkey juice dirt, you know. Um, anyways, there you go, Josh. Uh, how how is how has your couple of weeks been?
4: Oh, man. Um,
0: no big life changes at all, right?
4: Yeah, not really. So, what was it like a week? I mean, it and didn't have ago? like a baby
0: or anything. Like. Well, a
4: week and a half ago, I was chopping up some watermelon and I sliced into my finger like an idiot. And so, I, I have this nice little uh, chunk of the, the tip of my uh, pointer finger that's just kind of gone right now. I, I told everyone I feel like a ser- serial killer. You know how in the movies they shave off their fingerprints so they can go kill people. Um, so that was fun. Then that weekend, my wife it had a baby. It was an accident. And then after that, he yeah, exactly.
0: Accidentally cut off his finger. Exactly. Yeah.
4: You know, I feel like a serial killer, except with all the murder and stuff. You know, n- none of that. Uh, then that weekend, my wife had a baby, and so it's been pretty nice, like just chilling at home. You know, playing some video games. So n- not too much has happened. So it's good. <laughs> so how's ba- how's baby number three? No, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. So she came a week earlier than expected, um, which was a nice thing, but it definitely kind of threw me for a loop in terms of just like stuff at work that I wanted to kind of get done before the baby came, but didn't end up happening. And uh, I can't exactly leave while my wife's in labor. I can't leave um, directly after the birth either. So... You know, just uh, hanging out at home, but no, it's it's actually been really, it's been great. Uh, she is our most chill baby so far. She's only a week old, so you know, take that for what for what you will. But uh, she seems to like her crying is is really this time around just letting us know that she wants something or that she's uncomfortable, as opposed to like actually being unconsolable. Again, I'm only a week in. Who knows? She could totally change tomorrow. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, she is She is very chill. She's eating really well, getting bigger. Um, again, seven days in, you know. But, uh, th- no, it's it's fantastic. And it's been <laughs> really nice, uh, just the pace of life changing. Uh, you know, with all the COVID stuff, uh, I've been working a lot, and it, things are always changing at work. So just to be completely out of that and not have to think about – and, and, like, intentionally, no, I'm not going to – like, I could worry about stuff because I'm not there, but no, I can't. Like, I'm needed here <laughs> at home um, has been nice. So I've, I've actually been playing a lot more video games and, and getting into other nerdy things uh, and reading a bit more. So um, it's been really nice. So, yeah, no, that, that is the huge thing that happened in my past two weeks is my third child was born. Uh, Penelope Lynn is her name. So little, we call her Little Penny
0: it's I've I'm I'm seeing a the theme with your children's names
4: oh yeah Hmm. Um,
0: Oliver is Ollie mm-hmm. it's Josephine right yep is Josie mm-hmm. and Penelope is Penny
4: yeah it's <laughs> like you give them these big names <laughs> and you turn it into two syllables to a little one yeah that's true well I mean well, really where it comes from names. what was that
3: Nobody's got time for those big long names. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I my children I, learning. I'm to sympathetic to that.
0: <laughs> I
4: mean oh, yeah, there my, you go. my
3: right. birth name is
0: Nathaniel. There you go. And my parents were like, they were gonna call me Nathaniel and they there was like a week of that and they're like, no, he's just Nate.
4: This doesn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's yeah. when your future
4: was set. Just like pfft. Boom. Oh. There we go. Th- that's when you picked right out right your there. PSN your name. Uh and all of your Twitter handle. (laughs) Nate (laughs) underscore (laughs) McKeever. My branding was just like carved in stone at that point in time. (laughs) It's like And he shall
1: be
0: known as (laughs) Nate underscore (,) McKeever. Like (άλ粉) you (laughs) know, thunder and lightning. So let
4: it be written, so let it be done. Awesome. Uh, well, again, because I don't want this to be too bloated or overambitious, let's just jump right into Or, the, aimless. or I, aimless. I have to- That's true. Yeah. Mm?
0: I have to sort of, uh, a, I don't know, correction. Yes. I think bloated is an accurate sort of like there is some bloat. There is some sort of overambition. I think though, like the more I thought about, like I, I actually listened back to the, the other episode mm-hmm. and the more I think about it, the more I would use the term aimlessness. There's just a lot of sort of like- huh gameplay for me and again we we sort of talked about the way that i played persona 5 mm-hmm. too Whereas, like i would basically secure my route to the end of the the, the palace mm-hmm. and wes you, you mentioned that that actually sort of closes out a lot of stuff and so i think that probably for me it was just a very like empty sort of aimless i'm like hmm. i have no idea what i'm supposed to be doing it, you know, nobody wants to hang out. Nobody wants to talk. There's all sorts of stuff that like, whereas if I had sort of pushed that a little bit down on the line, I think uh, that might've been a, a slightly more fulfilling experience. I'm just, yeah. so I just wanted to say like, you know, it's not really a correction of any sort. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like, eh, I've, I've kind of shifted on, I think bloat yeah. is a good word for some, some of that overambitious. Yeah. But I think my experience in a lot of ways was just sort
3: of felt empty
0: or aimless.
3: I will say, though, bloat is the perfect descriptor for turkeys and newborn babies. So. Mm, mm, mm.
4: That's true. That's
3: my, that's my contribution and,
4: there. And lobsters <laughs> when you boil them. Yes. So yes. there we go. I like it. Tying it all together. Well, since we're throwing out corrections, I have a correction as well. I uh, feel like a total idiot. Yeah, I used Ryuji's um, the ambush thingy auto-defeat all the time. Um, I don't know why Ooh, I co- had completely forgotten about it. I guess just the way that... The, I was just not getting what you were saying because um, you mentioned how in Royal you actually get Yen and you get uh, Mm -hmm. experience points for that. That is crazy Um, because actually I found it annoying half the time because I already had a full roster of personas. And Mm -hmm. so like it didn't really do much for me. It definitely made Mementos easier, um, but I also didn't run around significantly higher level in a lot of the dungeons, anyway. Like when I would start to use it, that's when I'm like, okay, my time here is done. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to get going. Um, but it it was useful just in grinding out some of the some of the fusions that I wanted to get. Um, but yes, I did use that. I used it a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> I was thinking I didn't. Um, yes. It was definitely, definitely used throughout my playthrough of Persona Five. Um, so before we jump into whole story and theme. And all this craziness that we're getting to, uh, we've got a backlog report to attend to today. <laughs> so I've got mine here, which consists of a napkin today. I, I flapped a book. Nice. Mine was a
3: plastic bag.
4: <laughs> oh. I like it. Appreciate it. Um, so, okay, let's just, let's just go in reverse order. Why not? Um, I've only got two games. Both games start with the letter Y. Isn't that weird? I just noticed that today. It's weird. Um, I just beat Ease Eight today, so finally okay. finish it up. Final Excuse time me, that starts with an E. Not a y. <laughs> Isn't it weird how it's pronounced? I only know that because of YouTube. I wouldn't know anything about the series except for YouTube. That's what got me into it. Well, it's um,
0: it's that whole grammar rule where you know Y is an I unless it's the. The
4: unless e it's before an S then it's an easy <laughs> or you know it's just like why is <laughs> right. just, just a counts, weird yes. yes yeah like that the, well the, the entire title of this game like if you don't know what I'm talking about which I'm sure I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening had no idea ease 8 lacrimosa of Donna like what the heck did you just say? Was what, that Russian? What is lacrimosa? Like, What is That's going on? That's my favorite on? kind of lacrimosa. <laughs> I don't know What are you talking about? It's, is yeah. that
0: like is that a lactose based mimosa? <laughs> like gross. <laughs> Orange
4: juice and milk. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Orange juice
3: and vanilla ice cream, though. Really. Oh, that's man. It's like a 50-50 bar, orange vanilla. Oh, Come yeah,
4: on. yeah, that's true. Mm. I ju- I'm just thinking, like, would it curdle? No, but it's it's already ice cream. Okay, Delicious. anyways, that, yeah, that does ice actually cream. sound really good if if it works, like creamsicle. Um, yeah, no, Donna is actually the name of a character, which is weird because it's spelled D-A-N-A, but it's pronounced Donna. Okay, whatever, there's voice acting, they say Donna, so it's Donna. Lacrimosa is basically like another word for a requiem. Um, and it is actually used in the game towards the end of the game. Um, so th- a, the lacrimosa is an actual event in the game that occurs in the game. So it makes sense when you're 40 hours into the game, you know, who Donna is, you know what the lacrimosa is. So then it all comes together. Why it's called ease. Psh, I have no freaking idea. It's been around for 30 years in video games at this point. So they just continue the, to call the, the games ease, um, So uh, anyways, I really like the game. Man, uh, I ended it just today at about 50 hours, which was more than I had expected to play it. Um, How long to beat was about 40 hours, but I finished just about every quest. I I failed at a few quests, so I didn't actually beat them all. Um, But it kept pulling me back in with all the extra stuff that you could do. Um, It's kind of fun. It's hard to talk about this game because I don't think it's like necessarily amazing at anything that it does it just does so many different things really well like like the whole open world go to this place get this little thing okay now you can craft this other thing and get this cool gear and so now you just found this other Islander and now you can open up this extra area and do this other these other things and it just it it' uh, really just hooked me um, for the entire and and the entire game you're continually getting better you feel like you're progressing so the game kind of evolves as you play it I felt like it didn't it didn't really drag very much um, which is surprising for as long as I put into it um but i did really like it it's kind of fun. i was thinking about it earlier today it's it's hard to talk about again because it's it's kind of like a lot of different things um this is going to sound freaking weird but i feel like this game is if you mashed um the gameplay of dark souls with a muso game which is weird because those are completely like opposite ends of the spectrum like totally different uh, uh philosophies behind those types of games um, but it's just the, the reason I say Dark Souls is just because there's a little bit more to the combat. You're dodging around. You're trying to, you know, use attacks at specific moments in order to do that. But at the same time, when you're around weaker enemies, you're just mowing down these enemies and trying to do all these cool things. And um, th- there is actually a specific mode, a, a certain type of mission that's basically like a Muso game because you have these waves of enemies coming in, and you have to protect your little forts and all these crazy little things. Um, it does do the thing. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the game, it does do the thing similar to Persona 5. It's six chapters long. And for the first five chapters, you're basically trying to get off this island. And at the end of the fifth, fifth chapter, you can basically get off if you want to. But then the sixth chapter is like tying up. It's where the story comes in basically like, oh, this is what was actually happening on this island. And now you have to go save this island and figure out why that pertains to the rest of the world and the rest of the universe as well. And um, mm. it just goes off the rails. So it, uh, it the ending has felt very long because I felt like it was going to end at the end of chapter five, and then chapter six continues on, and then there's even an epilogue after that, a short little epilogue. So um, it, it not that it not that the gameplay ever drags on, but just the story, you know, like the subconscious idea of like, okay, I'm towards the end of this game. No, you have another like fifteen hours to go. So um, I, I did really enjoy it. Sorry, that's enough about that. Uh, The other Y game that I've been playing, because I'm a weeb, that's a W, not a Y, but still, um, I ended up getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh! You guys know, because you're in the Discord, I was looking at buying the Naruto Trilogy thing on Switch, and that basically roundabout got me into subscribing to Shonen Jump so that I wouldn't buy the games. And then I started looking into Yu-Gi-Oh!, and I'm like, oh, that is exactly what I I want I was looking for a puzzle game is what it was. And so as you guys know, I ended up picking up Tetris Effect. Um, But while that was being Mm -hmm. shipped in Mm -hmm. (laughs) from eBay, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I was looking around for another puzzle game and Shonen Jump puzzle, whatever. I saw Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, dude, that sounds like fun. I pulled out my DS and started playing some Yu-Gi-Oh!
3: Yes. He has the Millennium Puzzle.
4: There, In yes, German exactly. Nuts. Oh my goodness, <laughs> this rabbit hole goes deep, west. You don't want you don't want to take me there. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, I fall this rabbit hole. I've fallen down into this over this the past weekend reading Yu Gi Oh on Shonen Jump. I picked up the latest Yu Gi Oh game on Switch because uh, someone was selling it for twenty bucks on Craigslist. So Austin, Texas, we're a college town. I actually went down uh, towards the. Um, Uh, basically the the dorms of of UT Austin and uh, picked it up from this college kid. So I felt very old, like thinking, oh yeah, I I remember Yu-Gi-Oh from when I was, you know, like 16 and playing Yu-Gi-Oh and now I've got like this 20-year-old selling me his Yu-Gi-Oh game because he's done with it. Uh, But I'm 31. There you go. Fun times. Um, But I'm really, I've actually really enjoyed it. Made myself a nice little Exodia deck that I've been uh, destroying the campaign with which has been nice so I've been getting into Yu-Gi-Oh as well that's it for me those are two games that I've been playing um, in terms of reading I listened to all of Armada by uh, <laughs> Ernest Cline <laughs> <laughs> so that was the thing that happened <laughs> um, nice quality reading it, right there it's,
0: it, uh, when Paul and I were sort of talking about it. I, I just remember like because of Will Wheaton's narration and mm-hmm. I can't abide that man. I think like he's just sort of an obnoxious, pretentious tool, mm-hmm. but his narration actually makes that story better, even though yeah. it's not great. Yeah, it is a whole lot of not great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hence hence my raucous laughter.
4: <laughs> well, yes. And the reason I was listening to it so that I could listen to this podcast that we mentioned last time, uh, but didn't go super deep into it, but uh, uh, 372 pages. It's a podcast. Mm-hmm. It was about originally Ready Player One and then it goes into Armada as well. It basically like rips these books to shreds and just shows how poorly written they are. But that's, that's the premise, um, but it's actually hilarious. It, it
0: originally started out solely to address... Um, Ready Player One, and then mm-hmm. they started adding more books. It, like the next book is Armada. They talk about yeah. um, but then there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like they they uh, tackle William Shatner's tech war stuff. Okay, um, and that's real interesting. Okay, uh, hmm. like, it's it's like basically like all like the, the worst possible fiction. Like nice. I actually bought um, or I'm actually trying to find a, an ebook copy of the one. No, I might have actually gotten it. Okay. Anyways, there's a book. It's like arguably the worst book ever written, and somehow this Ooh. thing got like they they did an episode based on it, and so like I'm I'm kind of like I'm gonna read it. It's supposed to be a real quick burn.
4: Okay. Uh, but, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, that's that's basically what I've been getting into. Just trash. Just trash all week long. <laughs> I've had extra time on my hands. So trash. The, so, that you know book. Me? Are you calling the Indian eye of argon? no i'm Hold I'm on. actually not I, I, it is it's because of my nostalgia for it, and it makes me feel like you know, I feel like I shouldn't enjoy this as much as I do is what it is, mm-hmm. right oh. because of the nostalgia I have for it, I'm like, this reminds me of high school Josh, and the fact that I still really enjoy it um and and like getting into the manga too, it's like this was this is a shown in manga, it's clearly written for younger, you know, teenage, well, boys primarily. Um, but I still really enjoy, like I, I enjoy the heart that he puts into his characters uh, because the, the story well, yeah, I, I didn't actually intend to make that one. <laughs> um, but the, like he he is actually, it is actually very character driven, which the anime doesn't show, which I'll talk about. I, I'm i actually been thinking about uh, doing a bite-sized episode just on Yu-Gi-Oh! because I'm that much of a nerd um, is that the anime is very different from the manga, and and even the the creator uh, Kazuki Takahashi didn't intend it to be about the card game. Um, the card game was just one of the games that he had these characters playing, and so the when the card game took off, now all of a sudden that's just where everything goes. So uh, anyway, so that's a whole other conversation. But no, I I, I say that I say it as lovingly trash. Um it's not actually garbage it just makes me feel like a weeb that's all so it's fun mm-hmm. but that's that's what I've been getting into uh since we're going backwards Nate how you doing or what what do you uh, doing, what what do you have to report on
0: uh well as far as gaming goes uh the little bit that I have done is again Octopath and mm-hmm. Anthem and uh, okay. there's a new season of Diablo 3 so I did fire up a character that I actually streamed it and you guys hopped on the stream and hopefully that was semi-entertaining oh I might do that again I don't know it's so I spent all that time getting that that necromancer to level 50 or whatever Mm. and I was like I don't want to play necromancer this season (laughs) so I just rolled a new character like because that's the kind of weirdo that I am (laughs) um but that's that's uh I did fire up some smash and we actually ended up My nephew wanted to play when he was here, and he really got into it, really enjoyed it. So we ended up getting that for him, for his Switch. And uh, he actually sent me a picture today because you start out with like the those eight characters or whatever. Mm -hmm. He was asking me like he was like looking at it because I mean I have the season pass stuff and like Mm -hmm. you know I've been playing for a while, so I have a number of characters unlocked. And he was like, "How do you have all these characters unlocked?" And I'm like, "Well, I I play a lot of the game, but good son." Uh, I was like, get good scrub. (laughs) I I mean, I I showed him some of the different stuff. And I'm like, listen, you can play these different like adventure modes. You can play like do the spirit board thing. uh, What is the something of light? World of light. Yeah. World of light mode. And I just said like, there's a bunch of different ways. I said, like, I said, world of light will you'll unlock all the characters if you do all of it. I said, but it's very long. (laughs) Um, Yep. So I said, Even Wes
4: thinks it's long yeah that means it's long talk about bloated
0: (laughs) yeah i mean um it's it's something that actually sort of firing it up and playing a little bit i was like i should probably circle back around this maybe um try to tackle some more of the world of light stuff um so that's uh, nothing super new on the gaming front haven't gone back to any of my backlog draft stuff just sort of uh anthem diablo 3 Octopath and a little bit of Smash and that's sort of been and I just really haven't been playing a whole lot period over the last couple weeks as far as reading goes uh, I started up I had bought it a while ago and I started and and then sort of petered off but I have a devotional book called Bearded Gospel Men by Jared Brock and Aaron Alford Alford I don't know but it's uh, uh, you guys can see the the cover here Mm -hmm. but it's like got little short readings, and I've just sort of been like, eh, eh. so I'm gonna go through that. Uh, I did pick up a copy of. I'm moving around here while I'm recording. That's probably excellent radio for everybody. Uh, Kevin DeYoung uh, wrote a book called "The Good News We Almost Forgot." It's a uh, based. Uh, it's a it's sort of a walkthrough of the Heidelberg. or a, an overview nice. of the Heidelberg and. And so I'm going to be tackling those over the next couple of months just to sort of change up some of my reading. Um, just smaller, like those are going to be daily reads Reads for me, just like a, a section a day, yeah. sort of. I'm going to do the Beard of Gospel Men, and then when I'm done with that, move into the gospel, uh, the other one. Anyways, so, nice. but I have been listening to, uh, Lloyd Alexander wrote a bunch of books. They're sort of uh, not really pulp. Fantasy sort of stuff. It's more of a. They're adventure stories, and they take they're the 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 Chronicles of Pradane, I think, is what they're called. But it's uh, the Black Cauldron. It's about Terran, uh the assistant pig keeper who becomes Terran Wanderer. And it's just they're sort of like these little swords and sorcery, but it's they're quick. They're, I mean, they're they're sort of. I I probably say they're comparable to like the Chronicles of Narnia as far as like length per book. And okay. maybe not even that long. And, uh, it's just, they're good stories with a good hero. Like Taryn is a very good protagonist in the sense that he learns things, he grows, he matures. And it, it, it's, it's, it's well-written. It's not like, this isn't like high lit or anything. This is just sort of like adventure stories and they're fun. And, yeah. uh, but I've, I've been enjoying those. I'm actually on the last book now. And, uh, it's been a fun little ride. I recommend uh, The the Chronicles of Pradayne by Lloyd Alexander. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me as far as any of that stuff goes. Uh, nice. Wes?
3: Well, I just got to say, I'm feeling a little discriminated against by that bearded yeah. gospel men cover. And so I don't know how long I can continue this episode. Dude, I'm just feeling a little vulnerable it's, right
0: it's, now. It's not, it's not about the, the neck beard or the beard you don't have on your face. It's about the neck beard or beard around your heart. That's,
3: that's all you got to remember. No, I just feel a little grossed out actually, but, <laughs> but <laughs> like, anyway, I went, I went and made it weird. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be known as a neck beard personally, but I digress. <laughs> if you have a beard so, on your heart, you
4: might want to get that looked at. So yeah, Anyways. that
3: sounds like something that needs like some surgery. I think <laughs> something like that. If if
0: your heart is growing hair, there is <laughs> it, it, like, there is a problem.
4: Ugh, heartburn. It's because of my heart hair anyways uh <laughs> oh, that's a horrible mental unit. thank you
3: <laughs> love it so as far as games i've been playing i've just decided i'm just gonna make this real quick so that we can get into persona but i basically mm-hmm. dropped everything persona for a little bit just because getting a little overloaded with it mm-hmm. just just a wee bit you know trying to play all these different games so i, I dropped that and i've been picking up a few things i got paper mario what is it called? The Origami Mm -hmm. King Mm -hmm. uh, as part of a a birthday present, and I was like, okay, well, I actually like Sticker Star. I think it was like, Mm -hmm. the hate was really overblown about it. Honestly, I think it needs to be taken on its own terms and not be seen as like this hardcore traditional JRPG or anything. So I've been enjoying that, but I haven't put too much time into it, and the battles are really repetitive at the beginning as I'm really just through the tutorial stage at this point. Uh, As far as what else I've been playing, uh, it is another game that starts with a Y, so we're going to keep the theme here, and that is the first game in the Yakuza series, well, first game chronologically, mm. and that would be Yakuza 0. And I think that I have now found my new favorite series, and I'm just going <gasps> to burn Dragon Quest and burn Persona and just play Yakuza <laughs> from here on out. And it's just, it's such a wonderful game. The aesthetics are just beautiful, yep. like taking place in late 1980s Japan. So I'm just like, oh, this is fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's a little weird. You, you can tone the violence down. Thankfully, they have a little setting for that where you can take out some of the gore and blood and everything. So I was good with that. It has some weird, weird things with, like, all the different cafes and hostess bars and everything that you can go to. But, you know, that's just Mm. basic, you know, all the weird stuff. Same as Persona, that sort of thing, like, with their made cafes. So pretty Mm. similar. But it's just a fun little game, and it just doesn't take itself too seriously. When it does take itself seriously, it's, like, super serious. But then you go to karaoke or you race little slot cars with kids and you want to become, like, the best slot car racer in the entire district that you're in and it is just so wacky and bizarre and (laughs) i love every bit of it and i'm really looking forward to the new one that's coming out in november i think called yakuza like a dragon because it's basically yakuza but with turn-based combat and i'm just Mm -hmm. 100% there for that (laughs) Uh, but that's pretty much all i've been playing Uh, other than my wife stealing my switch for like five hours yesterday to play animal crossing and start that out and i was like that's are she doesn't really like video games but when she does she's the best gamer that i've ever seen in my life actually so nice within that five hours she's like oh yeah i got like a hundred thousand bells and i'm just destroying the economy <laughs> and your entire island is just messed up at this point so sorry i just destroyed whatever i wanted to and i'm like thanks 20 hours of work down the drain all right <laughs> but that's as far as i've been playing and as far as what i've been reading i've gone through like nine different books since i've been mostly working outside and i just oh, yeah. binged through audiobooks like you wouldn't believe So instead of talking about all those books though, I want to take a second to uh, kind of showcase this fancy little thing. If you if you like manga and you're a true weeb and everything, the you guys can see it. I'm holding up the collector's edition, volume one collector's edition of the Pokemon Adventures manga. And I've actually read the majority of this already, but I've had to, you know, actually get the collection because it's fantastic. This manga is so good, so good in every way. The beautiful like mid to late 90s art, and Mm -hmm. the storyline is, as the creator of Pokemon said, like, this manga basically is the storyline that I wanted. It's like the best Pokemon storyline that you could ever get. So, if you like Pokemon, and you actually want good Pokemon, this is the thing to do. Pokemon Adventures. There's like a billion volumes out, and all of the volumes tie together thematically and story-wise and everything, and you see characters from like 15 years ago just make random appearances, and they're actually aged up, unlike the anime. So, I highly recommend it fantastic. And I don't know if you guys have read any of it, but you should.
4: I haven't, <laughs> but you have recommended it to me uh when when my kids were first getting into Pokémon, so I need to I need to check that one out. Uh did also want to say before I started the Yu-Gi-Oh manga on Shonen dump I did also get into jocko the Galactic Patrolman by mm. Akira Toriyama. Yeah. And yeah. that was yeah. fantastic. Um Did you finish it? Yeah. Yeah, I did before I started Yu Gi Oh. I I finished it out. I was at the like the last chapter, I think, when I had mentioned it. Um, So it's a short little thing. It's ten chapters long. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, it's it's funny because like you know Toriyama gets the um, he gets a a bad rap that like all his characters look the same in you know in a lot of the things that he does. In this one, first of all, in this one they don't. Um, But also. He he is just such a great artist, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not only that, he is so quirky. His story—I mean, this—the this story is hilarious. I'm not sure if you could tell, but the title is Jocko the Galactic Patrolman. Like, obviously, it's not going to be serious. And it, I, okay,
0: it's been out for a while, so yeah. I don't feel like this is really spoiling it. But it is tied to some of his previous work. Right. Uh, you know what? I feel like. I'm safe in saying that.
4: Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't know that until I started looking into it cuz I started reading some of it and I'm like this is so good and just started searching online and that's when I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, he shows up in other mm-hmm. things. Um yeah. so I I had no idea. Like I was just reading but this even, as a one. But even even
0: in the story though, like when he like you finish it, like it's sort of like there's this neat little moment right towards the end where you're like, "Oh." Oh, <laughs> like you kind of go like Oh, well, that's clever and yeah. that's neat. And-
4: yeah. But even like the little touches, like the, I think my favorite thing, well, not I mean, it's also good. But if you just look at the panels and take in his artwork, mm. um, it, in, in so, I mean, every couple of pages, it, because this takes place on an island, there's like a random animal in the background that's just like doing something quirky <laughs> or making a weird face or like when they're flying over the island, there are these eyes poking out from the water just looking at you like he's just doing some, he's making like a little visual gag. And I'm like, this is mm-hmm. so good. This makes my heart happy. This <laughs> definitely uh, scares, or the, you know, shies away that existential dread that tends to come on when you have a
3: third child. And I will say two things about that. Actually, number one, Jocko is absolutely an Ultraman, like homage, like mm-hmm. 100% in mm-hmm. every way, shape and form. I love that about that. And also, <laughs> number two, he actually does show up in some of the newer movies that have been coming out, like <laughs> uh, specifically the one about Frieza. And everything he does is not only fantastic, but he's also voiced by like the best voice actor they could have ever gotten. Like the voice sounds exactly as you would expect. This crazy <laughs> nerd, basically. <laughs> to That's sound awesome. Like. So you have the chance. Uh, I think it's a uh, Resurrection F, the okay. newest Dragon Ball movie with Frieza coming back or something like that, you know? Little convoluted dragon ball timeline is like that so mm-hmm. yeah. i would recommend that no <laughs> no
0: it, it, yeah the dragon ball universe timeline isn't nonsensical or convoluted <laughs> it's not ridiculous yeah. in any way shape or form no
4: just so long as you don't count the one that never happened uh that toriyama wasn't involved with where the main character became a child but he wasn't a child he was an adult but he was in child body that one mm-hmm. just don't count mm-hmm. that one because that one's not canon because toriyama wasn't in it so that one doesn't count and but everything ignore- else makes a lot of sense
3: all the other stuff, <laughs> like just, it, and then when you get I'm to kidding. Dragon Ball Super, oh my goodness, <laughs> go even crazier with that, <laughs> right? SSJ oh.
4: God Mode, Beast Mode, JSJ Level Five, Alt, alt Ultramarine, yeah. <laughs>
1: Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him! No. I am your father. No! No! That's not true! That's impossible! This is such an incredible moment. A memory that will bring joy to the hearts of millions of people for generations. Wait, wait, what? the sort of thing they talk about on the Retro Station podcast. The stories, movies, music, moments that brought us together as a people that we enjoyed with friends. You you laugh about this with your friends? My life has been a lie! Exactly. This is wonderful. You're crazy! No, everyone agrees. This is a truly classic moment. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Did you kill Mom then? Well, I, I, I'd rather not talk about that. Oh, I, I bet they talk about that on the Retro Station, huh? What a classic moment that was when Mom died. Actually, most people thought that was a bit of a letdown. They made memes making fun of it. They, they made memes of Mom? The Retro Station Podcast. Celebrating all those things that made us nerds.
4: Okay. Anyways, that's enough bloat for you. Now it's time for our main discussion. Let's jump into some Persona Five. I've been I've been mm. chomping at the bit. I don't know about you. Well, I know Wes has because clearly he's written up um, pages and pages of notes. He, he has taken this far more seriously than I have.
0: <laughs> well, and I I think like this would be a good spot too. To I mean <laughs> Wes, you know you did write an article for the TRG yeah. blog mm-hmm. website. Um, Whatever that thing is, is blog still a word that people use or am I just old? I'm
3: not old. It's the children who are out of touch. (laughs) I like to refer to it as a website and their articles. That's pretty much all I can say about it. But yes, I did write one specifically touching on the idea of the sense of justice that they're trying to portray as well as like social reformation and Mm -hmm. whether or not i actually fulfilled the goal of what i wrote i don't know i just kind of start typing and mix things up you know kind of just whatever's at the top of my head and something pops out so you know if it actually made sense great it was not intended to necessarily
4: (laughs) (laughs) false it was it was a great article and actually Mm -hmm. i I had come to similar thoughts uh, and we'll get into that when we when we you know kind of talk about everything uh for today's discussion but that said like yeah i think you did a fantastic job even bringing in scripture like i I didn't bring any scripture in for this episode sorry um but just satan (laughs) yeah i mean yeah that's that's Uh. um (laughs) just the gnostic idea of the old testament god that's all not the real one Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) so with that said yeah fantastic work wes um I love that Summer of Persona series that you had going on. That said, when for this episode, we are this is heavy full-on spoilers. So, if you have not played Persona 5 and you are planning on playing Persona 5, sorry, this episode's not really for you unless you want everything spoiled, which is kind of weird for a story-driven game where we've talked about like there are hardcore like visual novel sections of the game where it's just story dumping but if if you don't play persona 5 for the story um i guess you can listen on if you want to (laughs) but we're getting into all of it today um with uh
3: so if you really just want to hear about all of our stockholm syndrome with this game (laughs) (laughs) exactly that voice
0: when paul made that comment in the discord i i he was like it doesn't sound like you guys actually like this game. We're like, no, we do, we do. And it's like, it sounds like Stockholm syndrome. I swear. And it's like, uh. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. No, I, 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 get it. And that, and uh, that—that's even what I was trying to say. Is like, I recognize that I, when I talk about something critically, I often make it sound like, well, here's the worst things about it. You know what I mean? Like I, I automatically go to. Well, here's what could have been better, even though I actually liked the thing. I just, mm. I just want it to be better, man. Um, mm-hmm. but anyways, that and that's largely what this episode is probably going to be too. Uh, mm-hmm. but let's let's go ahead and jump in. So, how how do we want to start this off? How do we want our discussion to go? When again, we're today we're talking story, we're talking themes motifs like the feeling like what you get out of this game from a story character development standpoint not necessarily we talked about mechanics last time um but this time around kind of some of the things I know that, that we're
0: on. we're pretty bad at brevity but mm-hmm. it um happens. wes in in your notes you did give us some fairly you know comprehensive background context sort of stuff and i thought it might be interesting just to sort of try and and, and push through that i'm gonna just pick through here and you guys can sort of fill in or push back or whatever you need to do but
3: um or 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 we could do it in the spirit of the game and just have me do a huge information dump right now so that we can all <laughs> just have all the information at our fingertips um huh? doesn't that sound great
0: <laughs> well uh uh i but well, i've was been a... chomping
3: at the bit to talk about this so i'm just gonna go ahead and yeah, just no, steamroll right through your objections <laughs> oh okay 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 I think a bit of background information is important if you really want to understand the cultural context Mm -hmm. that this game came out in. So right off the bat, when you're starting up the game, you hear the... Well, I'm not going to say who it is, but you hear the voice of Igor, and he talks about how this game is a... This story is a work of fiction. And noting that, you know, any similarities to the real-world people or the events is entirely and purely coincidental, obviously. And to move forward, you have to agree to these terms, because if you don't, it actually bumps you right back to the title screen. So if you do not agree with the assumption that it is a work of fiction, then you can't play the game. It's kind of interesting in that regard. But that's because this game is, I kid you not, a very thinly veiled attempt at basically, Japan's government's terrible and politics and everything, and this is just their thinly veiled attempt at basically saying you're awful. Yeah. <laughs> so this is our criticism of the Japanese government. Hmm. So, and,
0: and, and, and in a way, they're sort of like covering their rear end and saying, no, this is just a work
3: of fiction. Yeah. Exactly, it's coincidental, Mm -hmm. and if it's it's sort of like yeah, so which is exactly what you see in front of movies, you know, just to cover their butts about that too, you know, so they're not liable for any kind of defamation or anything. And in Japan, which is a very litigious culture, this would actually be totally like not out of the realm of possibility. Mm. So totally understand why they had to say that. So anyway, this game was announced I think in 2013, but it didn't come out until 2017, and it was kind of the, the, the background, well initial theme was to have a backpack trip all around the world, which they actually do pick up in Persona 5 Scramble. But once the earthquake happened in 2011, I believe is when that whole thing took place, they kind of thought about, okay, is this really what we want to focus on? Or do we want to focus on a more insular understanding of our culture and just kind of critique it from the inside? Because the government response to the, uh, I believe it's the Tohoku earthquake that happened at that time was really not that great. And it was basically... Lampooned by all sorts of people that create media. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Shin Godzilla, which was done by Hideaki ono of Evangelion fame. But he actually, like, if you watch that movie, it's basically like, yeah, the government's terrible at handling these disasters, and they kind of ruin like a whole generation. So Mm. you know, fooey on the current Japanese governmental system. But the big thing is that the prime minister, I believe, of Japan right now, his name is Shinzo Abe, which is basically just, you know. A, a little bit different from the name of shido yeah. who is you know the main enemy of this game so obviously they're not trying to hide their you know true intentions mm-hmm. there he is the prime minister and he's been the prime minister since 2012 and he's basically just considered like an ultra in you know the words of japan an ultra right-wing nationalist which yeah. is a little bit different than how we would see it here in america but he is basically denying war crimes that happen from japan and he says oh you know Japan never forced women into, you know, sexual slavery back in World War II and, you know, the Korean War and basically denying, like, kind of like a Holocaust denier in that sense. Mm-hmm. And basically saying, like, you know, Japan's amazing. We're awesome. The best thing ever. Uh, we don't really want immigrants. You know, just we'll, we'll have them here for a little bit of time. But, you know, we don't really want them coming in and, like, tainting our Japanese culture, which is basically talking points that Shido had basically <laughs> right at the end of the game. It's like Japan first. Ra rah, rah, make Japan great again if you want to go that route, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. So going from that, also the different palaces that you have and the big enemies that you fight, the rulers of the palaces, are basically like based on real world events that are happening in Japan. So like with Kamoshida, there was some big cases having to do with, you know, teachers basically just being terrible, <laughs> terrible, even more so than in America. And very specifically with, like, the, the educational system and everything and how brutal it is, like, it's not only symbolic of that, but, like, based on actual events that happen to different students. You know, Madarame, that's actually based on a actual artist named, or no, sorry, a composer, mm-hmm. Mamoru Samaraguchi, who claimed to have been deaf and was a composer at the same time. So I guess he wanted to be like Beethoven, but mm-hmm. it has actually proved that he wasn't deaf, So he's basically like ripping off the art world and everything. And so on and so forth. You see all these different figureheads that they put in here symbolically to represent basically the evils of things that are happening within Japanese culture.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at your notes here, you bring up uh, Kanashira, uh, the the uh, Yakuza culture that sort of is... And just the drug, the the war on drugs in Japan is is uh, in there. Uh, Futaba, which you know her her story is interesting, but I I like the fact that they're they're addressing some of this through through the game, like the the Hikamori, is that yeah, that's how you say it. Um, but the the shut-ins, basically, mm-hmm. like the the people who just like to be fair, like I'm looking at some of this and it's like they're probably in some ways certain conditions that are exacerbated by the, the the particularities or the, the, the peculiarities or nuances of Japanese culture. But this isn't stuff that we don't deal with here in America. Like some of this is a lot of universal. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, even looking at sort of like looking at the Kamashita stuff, like we, we don't now We don't have the cram school stuff, but like, if you look at like all of, uh, just especially maybe maybe not so much in high school but in higher education like in college level education just the the sexual abuse and sexual assault that runs rampant in that that culture it's like yeah that that, this these are not problems that are unique to japan all of humanity is
3: susceptible to all of sin in, in a lot of ways and so this is not just like which is why I think, like, the backdrop of the seven deadly sins that Josh had brought up in Discord or whatnot, and, like, really honing in on that, I think that was actually a brilliant move on their part, because it is a more universal thing. It's not tied to one specific mm-hmm, culture, yeah. but, like, these seven deadly sins are, in fact, all of humanity, which we could totally, totally agree with. Now, obviously, our views different, but mm-hmm. we can definitely see, like, yeah, you know, lust, greed, envy et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's what we see everywhere we go. And I think, you know, trying to bring up that critique is certainly great and valid on their part. But obviously, again, we'll get to some worldview differences later about that.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because they it, it almost like <laughs> shoots itself in the foot. I, I'm kind of using a pun there, but we'll get to that later um, with how it portrays that uh, for sure. And and I agree. It's it's funny like to hear all this explained, because I had no idea, again, put, you know, over 100 hours into this game. And like, I didn't know that this was directly tied to Japanese culture per se. Um, it did more hit on just kind of universal ideas, which, okay, I'll, I'll say this too is like, yes, it, like, I recognized that these things were universal. While also, I felt like some of it was a bit, um, almost cartoony because like the people that you mm-hmm. go after are so terrible you know like they're they're like the worst of the worst so to, so to recognize that these are actually like based on real people is kind of like oh yikes like man they were they were really uh um kind of on the nose if that makes sense if they're if they're going after particular people um but it, but it is still it still applies it is kind of universal it's it's kind of funny futaba in in particular you know she's she's a main character in this game Um, But I remember back in uh, uh, Persona 3, which forgive me for continually referencing that game, but even one of the social links that you have in that game is basically with someone like this. Like you meet them in basically a uh, World of Warcraft game that you can play and you start chatting and and their social link is basically like, I can't go outside. I can't meet you in real life because I, I can't leave my computer uh kind of a thing so so it's touched on but in this game it really um becomes a focus because there's a whole section of the game dedicated to this character and then uh, on top of that you attempt to help her get through that as well and kind of grow it it definitely like delves into that a bit more um so it, it is interesting to think through like all how all of these seven deadly sins kind of play together, um, even if it is a bit fast and loose with a few of them, um, but it's still it's still kind of fits. near
3: incomprehensible for some of them, honestly. <laughs> right?
4: Like I didn't see it until the end of the game. You know, like I mm-hmm. didn't know that there was a reason there were seven dungeons. You know, until it was explicit in like, oh no, the the seven deadly sins. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay, that makes sense. But um, I, I did not see it when I was going through it, for sure. I just saw it as like, hey, I'm getting a new character in my party, you
3: know, so. Mm-hmm. And some of that might just be due to the fact that Japanese culture doesn't really have, like, you know, Western Christianity at its forefront. Right. And Christianity is just basically seen as this, just kind of, oh, it's it's just random religion out there somewhere. It's, it doesn't really have any basis on our way of thought. We're more like the Shinto and Buddhist and everything. Right. So, like, what they actually understood you know based Mm -hmm. on the translation of okay what are the seven deadly sins to us what does that mean to us So how does that actually work out in our culture so you can definitely see there's some weird translation and localization issues that are going to happen there which is why it's a bit obtuse i think in some of its explanations there but it's they they do get the general point across even if they didn't really solidify it because some of these palaces it feels like well this could be lust and pride for kamoshita because you know he's got his pride as the olympic medalist but he's also super lustful after all these high school girls and everything Mm -hmm. and it's just it's weird
0: i mean (laughs) and but that's i mean in a way too that is sort of just how this works though like you know no sin sort of exists in a vacuum Mm -hmm. without the presence Mm -hmm. of other like you know that that lust and that pride sort of feed on each other yeah i do appreciate sort of some of those thematic elements where, yes, it, and it is much more subtle or subdued, but it I, I think it's it's a nice touch. And, you know, even sort of going back <laughs> to our conversation from a couple of weeks ago, where he talked about, like, even the palaces feel like a little long in the tooth. Like, and, and Josh was like, well, maybe they could have, you know, you said, like, maybe cut down on the number of palaces. I I think it's like, honestly, just cut out some of the unnecessary, like, tighten up the palaces. Like tighten up those experiences because I think thematically seven the seven palaces the seven dungeons are necessary, just for you know the story beats. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's that's Mm -hmm. neither here nor there. So let's kind of let's let's try to just sort of like walk through the story as quickly as possible without getting too lost in the weeds. (laughs) So honestly, I haven't played a ton of Persona games, but this sort of reminded me now it's very different than Persona Four in a lot of ways, but just the sort of the the protagonist or the hero shows up and he's sort of he and for some reason he's he's gotta leave town. Now this one is different than four in the sense that in four he's going to stay with his uncle and his cousin. Mm-hmm. But in five, our protagonist uh we'll just call him Akira or what was uh what's the Ren. other canon name, Ren. Our hero is, uh, you're Joker. introduced to him, Joker. Yeah, Joker's a good one. Joker is, uh, because that's really the the most universal canon,
4: mm-hmm. whatever. He's confirmed but in Smash. So,
0: confirmed in Smash. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's not super great in Smash, oh, in no. my okay. He's fine. Let's go with Joker. But, eh, just, I don't, I don't know. Um, anyways, the game starts out and he's, uh, sent to Tokyo and I'm just going to read your notes here actually Wes but from a small town to serve out <laughs> his probation after being falsely accused. Now, Mm-mm. you know and, and and you experience that there's actually sort of like a little semi tutorial interactive experience where you sort of run down you're running you're actually controlling the avatar and stuff and you you come into that. Anyways, this is where you sort of this sets the tone for the whole game. Mm-hmm. Joker steps in A woman's being at the, in the very, the most generous sort of construction of that situation. She's being harassed by this dude, Mm -hmm. you know, and Joker steps in and Joker's reward. No good deed goes unpunished. He's actually sentenced in juvenile court, you know, with like, you're going to assume some sort of assault charges or something by the individual who was actually assaulting this woman. And And it, Never really goes to explain why he gets, but he basically gets dumped in the lap of Sojiro, who we'll come back to at some point in time when we do, when we talk a little bit more about characters. And it's just like he gets enrolled in this high school, and that's sort of where the game beats start. Um, there's like you, you meet the first, well, the first three party members within a couple of hours mm-hmm. of of actual gameplay. Now, they might not all be part of the party right away but um within those first couple hours of gameplay you're introduced to uh ryuji uh and and mona and makoto even so Mm -hmm. like like all the the other persona games for the most part this takes place within a high school so a lot Mm -hmm. of this is sort of but the very first dungeon and and we've talked a little bit about it here but was uh Mm -hmm. or first palace because that's what the du- these big dungeons are their palaces they're sort of these mental projections but it's Kamoshida. and Kamashita is the gym teacher at the high school he's and we talked about like the lusting he's kind of like I does it ever spell it out or is it just sort of insinuate that he's sort of at least harassing these these young girls you know he's edging into sexual assault territory he's he's an abusive coach period right where he, he's like he pushes his players too hard, they're actually like injuring themselves, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff um but the Ryuji and Joker sort of meet up and accidentally stumble into the palace initially, and that's sort of where the game proper picks up
4: yeah. Yeah, so. I, I do. Just want to say to you know, we we talked about how, uh, and I think I mentioned this on the last episode. So forgive me if I'm if I'm you know reiterating myself here. But I do think the opening is very stark to some of the previous Persona games in that immediately mm-hmm. Joker is um, falsely accused and sentenced. Uh, and from that point on, he is marked as this troublemaker, right? You are Mm marked, like when you go to school, the rest of the high schoolers are just like, Oh, we shouldn't really talk to him. Like he's here. Did you hear what happened? You know, like he basically you know he broke the law like you have this scarlet letter on you for you know for lack of a better term um so the game starts out and it feels oppressive and i think this is one of those themes that like runs through the entire thing and it starts at the very beginning of the game is like not to be too cheesy but like the man is holding you down not again not in not in like a you know hippie kind of way but in a serious like You got the short end of the stick. You're trying to be a good person, and you got beat down, and now your life is garbage because of it, kind of a thing. And you're trying to claw yourself out of that. And then it's kind of out of the frying pan into the fire because you go to this high school, and you immediately start seeing abuse, and you see these other things that are happening. So the whole um, just feeling of the game is like, oh, it's oppressive. You have... uh, Anyone who's in power, and again, this is why I said it can get a little cartoony at points because it seems like it's just always the worst thing. It seems like anyone who has authority over you is lording it over you and like reminding you how horrible of a person that you are. Um, so it just makes you... So his connection with Ryuji, because Ryuji's kind of a punk kid, um, it, it feels organic because it's like... Yeah, y'all both understand it, you know? Y'all are both, it's, like...
3: They're, they're both outsiders. Yes, yeah, totally. And when you really think about, like, the social structures in Japan as it is, and being more of a collectivist culture, and the types of bullying that actually happen in schools just based on your status, like, frequently, when we were in Korea, this happened too, and a lot of the Asian customs are similar in that regard, but we would be asked our age just so that they can see people that we meet can see, like, oh, where are you on, like, the social hmm. social hierarchy here? And it's like, if you're even, like, a week older than somebody, then you're basically, like, the upper person on the social status and you can treat them hmm. as somebody that's lower than you. And, you know, it, it, the whole thing, like, whether you're a guy or a girl, you know, married, single, that sort of thing, like, what you've accomplished in your life, where you studied and everything. Oh, wow. All that comes into play. Even right, your yeah. blood type, apparently. <laughs> it's really, really weird stuff, honestly. I mean, from our perspective, it seems really, really weird that you were really, like, honing in on all these really super tiny differences just so that we can say Mm -hmm. oh i'm above you or oh i'm below you so i have to interact with you in a certain way and then because of that you know that's probably why we're seeing so much like Mm -hmm. suicide and such happen in uh japanese and you know asian in general and other uh different countries from asia (laughs) i can't speak apparently other different asian countries I have similar problems where it's just like, you know, one wrong move. And you know, somebody's just basically going to bully you basically to the point where it's like Mm -hmm. suicide's the only option. So it's interesting because a lot of people that would be playing this probably went through like not as stark and as harsh, but probably something similar in some way, shape or form, because really nobody's exempt from that kind of bullying. Mm -hmm. So
4: that, that kind of frames this story and, and where it ends up going. Um, you know, honestly, (laughs) honestly, What's that? It's really happy and cheerful. <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly you, you'll never see it coming. Um, <laughs> you can really tell by like the the yeah, the music that's playing and stuff like that, especially coming after Persona 4. It's just like, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be a good time. Um, but no, you you do feel that all throughout the game. Um, it continues to kind of build in different ways. Uh, that just this theme of authority structures and what you ought to do because of that and i think that um is kind of the core of what runs through this i mean even when you're first taken into uh the 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 prison cell with igor um and he talks about you know break the chains uh, the these these social bonds and you know, use your your rebellion, your rehabilitation—that's what he calls it—in mm-hmm. um, order to, yeah, to to free yourself from the expectations of society, which is really interesting. Again, I'm I'm thinking of this as an American, as a Westerner, where of course we have social mores, right? I'm not denying that but it doesn't come off as strongly as, as something like an Asian culture where this game was actually created, um, where you would actually see that, you know, we don't have a hard caste system here in America, um, or anything like that. Um, again, not saying the bullying doesn't happen, not saying that there, there are reasons why, um, you would feel like an outsider. Of course we, we all have teen angst, right? Um, but man, that, it, that, hits harder when you think about um that how this was created in japan and how this really is kind of um a japanese story that also um extends that hits on a lot of themes that that other people from other cultures can latch on to so um yeah so where so in the story here we've got ryuji we've got the the talking cat morgana um because you went into this palace and you're it's it's the perception someone's distorted desires i mean things just go off the rails mm-hmm. um i would say immediately but these games always take a few hours to get going uh so <laughs> in terms of plot immediately it doesn't lead up to it really um but in terms of time that you spend with this game it is uh, a, a good chunk of time you know a couple hours by that point where it's explaining all these things to you mm-hmm
0: the the series is basically you run through these different palaces and there's sort of these storylines and i'll i'll just try to sort of condense this so i'm just going to like overview so basically uh you're in Kamishita's palace you meet Mona Morgana who is the worst and we'll, we we <laughs> yeah. will carve out a few minutes just to rip on that stupid the cat
2: worst. <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> this is sort of following the establishment of like you secure the path and you know you plan the heist
3: to steal the treasure and change the heart and all that so just for a, a bit of a brief interlude here a palace in this regard is the like cognitive base basically of the person who is committing these atrocities so for kamoshita he feels like he is the king of the school so henceforth his palace is cognitively a castle where he is the ruler and the king of medieval that castle
0: sort of themes and yeah he shows mm-hmm. up he's got sort of kingly attire and i, I thought it was inter- his his sort of design was interesting because he's wearing the the heart-shaped boxer or speedo sort of whatever like little with the hearts <laughs> on it and he's got the the robe the and
3: the the crown and he basically looks like the main character in the Catherine game, which Atlas actually like the engine for oh, Catherine right. is actually okay. what they built Persona five onto. So it almost feels like he's oh, wow. basically that character just he's in a different Vincent. way. So man, huh. No. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I can, I can see the similarities, but this
0: is, Anne ends up falling you into the palace. She actually ends up uh, confronting uh Kamashida. And that's when she embraces her persona now. And and I brought this up in 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 one of our chats, but like this is an inter like the whole persona thing. I did want to touch on this real quick. Mm-hmm. Is that in Persona Four, it was like they basically had to confront themselves and then embrace themselves, yeah. and that's sort of thematically that's been part of it for me. But then this sort of changes in that they don't really have to confront themselves and embrace themselves. They have to confront this other thing, and by confronting this other thing, then they become empowered, um, you know, sort of able to step in and utilize their their personas. Am, am I misreading that, or is that
4: so it's, it's the idea so it is the Jungian idea of a shadow, right? It's the part of yourself that you don't want to recognize. Um, and in actually, like you said, confronting that and accepting that in Persona 4, you were able to integrate that into – that that's your persona. That's yeah. how you fight the other shadows. Um, in this one, I see it more as like, again, that theme of the social – um, oppression that is on you, the social, the societal norms and mores that you have to follow as a person. And so like, honestly, I felt like a lot of the main characters were struggling with similar personality types, which was a little weird, um, just in order to follow that theme. And so what they had to do was they had to let go, of the societal pressure and just be like, I don't care what my dad wants me to be. I don't care what society sees me as, like, I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to help in this certain situation. Um, So I'm thinking of, of someone like Makoto, where, you know, she's like the reserved, you know, student body president kind of person, where she's just like, you know, she drives in on a on a motorcycle. <laughs> you know, her persona comes in on a motorcycle. You know, mm. basically like flipping the bird and playing metal music. She's basically she's the just poor like,
3: man's version of Mitsuru from Persona Three.
4: <laughs> yeah, there you go. She's oh. she's
3: a little like intimidating as a, a like
0: her persona is a queen. Is, right, uh, right.
4: And that's and that's how it's supposed to be, because it's like supposed to be this stark difference of like, I am I am breaking the bonds. You know, this is my rehabilitation again, thinking of it in terms of like the themes of the game. That's what I saw from it and the way that it worked. Um, now, you had brought up in uh, I can't remember in one of our discussions how um, they integrate the personas themselves into the characterization mm-hmm. of each character, which is an interesting uh, thing to look at. I think you'd have to go pretty deep into um, what each of the personas meant themselves and how that's reflected in the character. Oh, the the interesting thing about that, if I don't mean to just like skate over that, we can totally have a conversation on that. But I do find that interesting because Joker can have multiple personas and he's the only one who can do that. Because he's a sociopath. It, well, well, I mean, what, well, that's the question is like, what does that mean? In in terms of the gameplay, okay, it totally makes sense. You have to have a character mm-hmm. that has more than one persona, unless you're playing like a digital devil saga game where you have your fixed persona. But that usually doesn't happen in the SM2 series at all. So I get it from a mechanics gameplay standpoint. But I do think it, uh, for lack of a better term, does violence to that theme of, of your, your persona. Now, it, it, it just takes a different turn for him because then it means that he can put on these different persona depending on mm-hmm. the different uh, context, which I talked about in one of the, the uh, bite sized that I mm-hmm. talked about persona and, and how, what it means to wear these different masks. So I think it, it brings up that. It's just weird that he's the only one who can do it. No one else can. And so, like, how strong can that bond be with the persona? Because he does have, like, he is tied to Arsene, right? Because that's, that's who he first has. And then at the very end of the game, he's tied to someone else. Um, so you have to assume that the, the creators of the game are saying something through those persona. But then what does it mean that he can't have these other, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I just kind of threw that out there. Like it's kind of weird. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't know.
3: And I've actually seen that pop up on, you know, various different message boards and whatnot. And the Mm. basic thing that people have gone to is the fact that because the main protagonists in these persona games tend to be silent protagonists in that sense, it's functionally supposed to be adapting to however you want to play so whatever persona that you prefer to use is basically your yeah. persona in that sense, mm. kind of making like a men narrative jump there in some yeah. way, shape, and form. But it's just like, well, do you gravitate towards this specific persona? Then that says a lot about you as the player yeah. character. And this, some of that story mechanic-y type stuff kind of breaks down later when you're not actually given important information if you really were supposed to be playing in the place of this main character as a cypher. But I I think mechanically, it actually does make a lot of sense because you're the silent protagonist and it it just is adapting to your play style. So however you want to play, whoever however you want to play your character of the Joker, that's how he is, basically. So... Interesting. That
4: makes sense. That makes sense. He it could also be that he's this trickster, right? Mm-hmm. So he's always putting on these different faces mm-hmm. in these different areas. But that also makes him kind of an a-hole because <laughs> because like well, that means he's never like he's, 100% he's, he's a, is. He's
0: a bit of a sociopath, I mean, like, you know, it's like um it's like uh Charming teacher, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Random news yeah. Um but we'll just we're gonna try and just power through the the story beats here real quick. I, okay. I know I just said I said that a few minutes ago, and then I I sort of threw the wrench out about like,
4: oh, what, <laughs> what do you think of major? What do you what's the deal with personas? Um, well, no, I I mean I think so. That's kind of some of the more interesting stuff to me is not necessarily. Uh, sorry, I mean not to not mm-hmm. to be a, not to be a jerk. Um, I I don't necessarily. I don't think we need to like talk about all of the story, but I think the things that the story hits on that are more, you know, that go a little bit deeper, just sort of the themes Mm -hmm. and the reoccurring things that show up. So I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't mind going through every palace and talking about like, Oh, what does this palace actually mean? But, um, I like those detours, I think are kind of the more interesting (laughs) thing to me. That makes sense.
0: Oh, for sure. I just, I just sort of want to give a little bit of context. For, yeah. for like for meeting these characters, so after mm-hmm. they do the 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 Kamishita Palace, they have a little bit of a celebration, and eventually they sort of run into um, or they they sort of decide their next case. They're like, we're going to investigate this artist Madarame, um, and and sort of this is where Mementos sort of picks up. Mementos, I think, like here's here's like even That's looking at your summary summary here, like. Mementos could have been so much cooler because like when you're l- reading this, it, like they overhear in Mementos that he's taking advantage of students and stealing their art. Like, like mm-hmm. that like if they would have fleshed that out a little bit more, Mementos would have been so much cooler. But I'm I'm not trying to get, like I'm just like it it didn't go anywhere with that, really. But um so they they run into Yusuke, Matorame's current pupil, um, and uh, Yusuke wants to do a painting of on. He's just a weird character. Yusuke is just kind of yeah. like he's, he's he's a little one step above Morgana, honestly, in my l- opinion. <laughs> like, but it's not it's not even as like it's not even as like pervy. It's just like mm. it's just like aloof sort of artist, sort of like pretentious doofus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they uh, they actually you know they sort of like well hey here's an inn and we can check this out. And that actually sort of, uh, through that process, Yusuke actually sort of becomes part of the team. Um, And, you know, they confront Madarame, They go to the palace. They do all that. Um, And, you know, and and again, it's the same. that It's that palace loop. They secure the obstacle. They steal the Mm -hmm. item. They change his heart. Um, But that introduced Yusuke. Um, And then, so... And and again, it's sort of like these overarching Makoto. At this point in time, she's been watching these kids, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, basically, Ryuji is just sort of, you know, Ryuji is a bit of a loudmouth, and he's just like you just want to like he's he's likable, but you want to punch him in the head because he's always like, why aren't people respecting us? And blah 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 blah. And he always instead of just you know, it's like you're sort of like you're vigilantes. And Batman is not nearly as effective if he's screaming at the top of his lungs. If Bruce Wayne was just like, hey, do you know I'm Batman? I'm Batman. Like, and that's what Ryuji wants to do. He wants to be like, no, I'm a phantom thief. Like, respect me, fear me, like, thank me. And anyways, so he runs his mouth. That sort of triggers some things off. Um, they decide to take on Kanashira, who's a, a Yakuza. Makoto gets involved and the, and she's an interesting sort of character. So... Basically, the storyline just sort of bebop on through this. Uh, Makoto sort of has a moment where she confronts things. Queen, her persona, personality, or whatever is unlocked. New party member. Mm-hmm. So now we get into the Fataba storyline. And the, the, this one's... Oh, go ahead, Wes.
3: I, I think this one, actually, going back to your point, Previous about how they are confronting their personas and everything and their shadow cells this one is actually a complete reflection of what happened with persona 4 where everyone had to confront the bad part of themselves mm-hmm. because the yep. cognitive well not the cognitive but the shadow futaba is basically like dogging you throughout this pyramid palace and she sees herself as like in the pyramid as a tomb cut off from the rest of society and everything and pretty much dead inside because she blames herself for the death of her mother which is basically if we want to get into spoilers, she does men basically said like, Oh yeah, here's the suicide note from your mom. And Oh, she actually killed herself because of you. And obviously if you like a middle schooler or even an elementary schooler, I'm not even sure how older she is at that point, but she basically like, Oh shoot, I'm the reason my mom's dead. And she kind of locks herself away from the rest of the world. But Mm -hmm. within that whole, where they have to like infiltrate the palace and she's asking, actually asking them to steal her heart at this point, her own heart. And she actually has to confront her shadow self and basically come to terms of the actual truth of the event with her mother and everything. And it, I just found that to be a really interesting like reflection of how it actually happened with Persona 4. And some mm-hmm. of that continuity is there, which kind of puts her in a different way, which I, I enjoyed the fact that she became the navigator at that point because she embraced her persona in a completely different way than the rest of the group did, And if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, And I think Fataba is... Um... She's probably one of my favorite characters just because, uh, hmm. like, you, you come to find out through at, at this point in time, like going through her storyline or her initial storyline, rather, because all these characters get fleshed out through the side stuff that you do with them. But uh, her mom was actually the, the, the researcher who developed this whole cognitive science sort of stepping into the Persona world. So, you know, to, if you had to poorly describe this game, it's like a bunch of high school vigilantes use a magic phone app to hijack people's brains. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But her her Futaba's mom was actually responsible for the the magic phone app that lets people sort of enter the cognitive realm. Uh, her research ends up leading to that, and that's why she was eliminated. Because uh, Shido, you know who we we've sort of talked about a little, bit, who turns out to be sort of the big bad or one of the primary antagonists, mm-hmm. basically saw this as a like and the the opportunity to weaponize this uh, this technology to basically clear his path to power and uh, you know eliminate people who stood in his way. Yeah, uh, you rescue Futaba, and it is interesting because yeah. She does. sort of, she actually asks the Phantom Thieves to steal her heart, which is a, versus them sort of picking a case. They actually get this challenge from her, uh, you know, via whatever. And honestly, the Pyramid Palace is awesome. But they uh, they sort of they do this thing. They so now they after they rescue Futaba, they take a vacation. Uh, somehow, uh, Okamura he's a, the owner of a, the Big Bang burger uh, food chain um, apparently they hear how he's abusing his employees so that's that sort of becomes their their next
3: uh, their next target go ahead which I would like to add it- was based almost entirely based on like hearsay when they were in Hawaii, where they, you know, had the big bang burger Mm -hmm. establishment there, but also on the website as basically a poll that's like, Oh, who do you want the phantom thieves to take on next? Oh, this guy named, Oh, that's right. He He treats his employees terribly. Interestingly enough, like when you actually compare him to like the rest of the villains and whatnot, he's actually the only one that doesn't really technically commit a crime per se. He's Mm -hmm. a terrible person. And he's treating his employees terribly and everything. He basically looks on it, but he's not really committing a crime, basically like not like Kamishida with you know the assault on the students, uh Madorame with the counterfeiting, Kanashiro or with the Yakuza Kanashiro work with the-
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, Kanashiro's uh, you know, we didn't I, I meant but like part of his problem was he was actually like basically putting teenagers in risque situations. Well he's yeah, he's blackmailing them. 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 Yeah. And then mm-hmm. leveraging that to, you know, basically prostitute
3: them out. Yeah you know yeah. for but with lack of you know drug smuggling specifically which apparently is like literally like the worst type of crime you can commit in Japan i found out like a couple of years back and it's like basically if you do drugs or you somehow get a hold of drugs you're basically like marked well, that, for life
0: you you're you're dipping into the yakuza games they actually the late one of the latest iterations of the yakuza game was actually just like overhauled because the the the, the voice actor the guy who the the mocap was based on or whatever was caught with drugs and they're like nope and it was like this is like the big sin it's like Mm -hmm. you get caught with drugs and it's like you know so they they actually like remodeled the the main character they like basically scrubbed all the references to him his physical assets all that stuff they changed the cover art all sorts of stuff there um so yeah um but and and this is a part where, so they, they start to do this. And in in within this context, there's sort of a confrontation arises between Morgana and Ryuji and the rest of the group. And so we're going to, I feel like this is the most appropriate time to just bag on <laughs> Mona for being the wor- most worthless trash character in this entire game. Okay. Basically. Here's,
4: here's the thing. Like he learns me media Rama or whatever healing spells. So they're not completely worthless. <laughs>
0: you can learn that with, I, I think there are a couple other characters who learn that too. So like he's, yeah. and he does wind damage with whatever, but Mona is. So again, Morgana, Mona, whatever is this sort of uh, anthropomorphic cat cartoon cat hangs out. It's like, it's the Teddy or what? I don't know what persona three, but it's, it's the character that sort of hops on as it's just like, what is the mysterious origin of this character sort of thing? And they're, they're a bit of a, but Mona is horrible. Like he bags on Ryuji every, every time Ryuji does like in combat, he just harps on Ryuji like, Oh, great going skull. Like you suck. <laughs> you know? And it's like, and it's just you like the worst, <laughs> you're the worst. And it's like all this stuff where super annoying, like, even within sort of, like, the more scripted scenes and events, Mona is just constantly ragging on Ryuji, calling him an idiot. And I think there's, at some point in time, Skull just like, you suck. Get out, like, get out of my yeah. face. Kind of like has a Futaba moment. happens when joins
3: the team. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Is, yeah. As the new navigator is like, oh, well, we don't have to deal with Morgana anymore. Ha 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 ha. He says literally one thing and Morgana's like, "Well, it's, it's, blah, 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 I hate you guys and everything and I am just so underappreciated." And da, 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 da. And, oh my gosh, it's just like just just, just go away.
4: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even like particular like it was definitely taking a shot at Morgana, but it was more just like praising Futaba. Like mm-hmm. Guys, Futaba's amazing. Isn't it so much better now that she's here and not Morgana? You know, like it, like it was definitely a shot, but it was kind of like a sideways thing where it wasn't just like you're the worst, get out of here, cat. You know? It, it Which, not it wasn't as on the nose as Morgana was to Ryuji of just mm-hmm. being like you're worthless, skull. And it but so
0: and it's just this whole thing. So this ushers in the the Space Palace and like you guys actually end up running mm. into Morgana, and he's actually rec- recruited a new thief to to run, or new phantom thief. But what do they call themselves? Mm. The sexy thieves, or something stupid like that? I don't, I don't remember. It's oh, I, I don't remember actually. Yeah, but I don't remember either. anyways, it's <laughs> beauty. Yeah, uh, you know, the beauty what? thief. Yeah, mm. um, but it's Haru, best girl Haru, um, yeah. and uh, and he ends up pairing with her.
3: And honestly, like this ticked me off probably most of like anything in the game, because he basically stole Haru's entire story. He stole everything from her. He completely overshadowed her in her own introduction arc. And I cannot forgive that because she is mm. a fantastic Angel of a character, and he is a trash cat, and he deserves to be kicked in an alleyway by by her terrible fiance, who went up a few points in charm for me.
0: No, yeah, like when her when her garbage fiance kicks the trash cat, I actually liked him a little bit more. I was like, he can't be that bad. He kicked Mona. He's awesome. (laughs) Like yes, Um, but that introduces uh, Haru, and. Sort of you, you go through the, uh, you go through, and, and basically she wants to change her father's heart because <laughs> she, you know, she is the daughter, uh, she's Okamura's daughter. She wants to change his heart, and so you go through. There's this reconciliation scene with with Morgana that absolutely makes me just livid when I think about it. Where basically everybody makes Skull apologize to to Mona, even though. Mo- you know Morgana, Mona, whatever. I'm just gonna for for sake for Trash Cat. Trash Cat. Trash Even cat. though Trash so Cat is out. Trash Cat, like and has just been <laughs> an awful teammate and a terrible friend, and actually just continues right where he left off. Um, but like everybody's like, just just say you're sorry, and and like if I'm Ryuji, I'm like no. I want that stupid cat to apologize to me for basically being a giant jack wagon for the last 40 <laughs> hours at this
4: point. But I'm sorry that you can give it but you can't take it. I'm sorry <laughs> that you're that such a, a fragile
0: little you know, dweeb <laughs> like you, you know, like who likes to run their mouth but can't actually like deal. Um but anyways, you go through you go through and you do the Space Palace and you actually change Okamura's father's heart or Okamura's heart but then he's killed by a mysterious you know entity it, it, there's a little cinematic cutscene, whatever he's killed and then it sort of sends you further on down the uh the 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 mystery like what is really going because this whole thing is set with like the people are just having random breakdowns and it isn't until this point in time where the, that connection point is, I mean, you know that's connected somehow, but this is where that, that, that point really touches, is in this one where like the Phantom Thieves, they, they set this man free. He's actually going to become a kinder, better, gentler boss. He's going to sort of talk about some of his shady dealings and underhanded stuff and, and he's eliminated. Because someone co- breaks into his psyche and executes him and basically mm-hmm. sets off a time, like a, a, you know, for him to basically have a mental shutdown sort of, you know, um, and basically commit suicide or whatever it is. Um, so I think,
4: I think it was a heart attack, like mm-hmm. on camera in front of everyone, which is kind of weird because, like, they at least they call it a heart attack, but he's like, dripping black ooze from his eyes, which I'm just like, uh, <laughs> what? That's not a heart attack.
3: Anyways, that's the um, worst heart attack I've ever seen.
4: But, and the the <laughs> yeah, blame no
0: and the blame is put on, you know, because mm-hmm. in this, like everybody's like the Phantom Thieves killed him. Um, yeah, So, yeah.
4: yeah. And so that's when, when things start spiraling out of control. If, if I can just insert real quickly, one of the, one of the things that I thought that this game was going for, because at this point, I mean, you're most humans are what, 50 hours into the 40, 50 hours, I want to say. Into the game. And so I thought one of the things that this game was going to talk about, because it does lightly kind of address it. So um, we talked about how they go on this vacation to Hawaii, and they're like, who should we help out next? Right? We're the Phantom Thieves. Wh- who, who do we need to, you know, knock down a peg, basically, like who is doing something horrible? that we need to find out about we mentioned how they use this website to kind of find people to change their hearts um and and there is this question that they will ask occasionally of like is this right is what we're doing actually the right thing and then they go back to like oh well yeah in Kamashita's case yeah it was definitely right you know madarame's case like yeah he killed this woman and took her, her, uh, pain, you know, like he got famous off someone he killed basically. Uh, yeah, these, these are good things. And so this idea of, we have this power, right? We have this special thing, um, and, and the idea of, of vigilante justice of like using this power for good outside of the, the, the bounds of the law, um, is something that I thought the game was going to tackle, especially when you're on such kind of thin ice of finding people over the internet. Like, is there a worse idea? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I were to go to Reddit and and you know start a start a Reddit thread about like who is the worst person in the world? It, like, if there was anyone that you want to change their mind, like who would you choose? Oh my like, goodness! How many? I didn't even. Garbage like, I'm just
0: thinking <laughs> about this in my head. I'm going. Oh dear.
4: Oh yeah exactly like the smallest little thing of like oh well my parents are you know do xyz to me and this is terrible when like no you're just a stupid kid and you don't realize what discipline is you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, all that you know th- th- it could just be entitlement from someone as opposed to an actual injustice that's being perpetrated um and that's you know, this is a huge conversation. That's why we have laws, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. is to is to determine these things. And the Phantom Thieves work outside of the bounds of the law. And so there, there is this idea that is brought up in the game of, like, is this the right thing to do? Is this really what we should be doing? Unfortunately, that—I say unfortunately— I've already talked about how this game is already over ambitious. So like could they really throw in another thread, another pathway to go down? You know, I'm I'm not suggesting that. But for me, it felt like they were going this way, but they pretty much just sweep it under the rug for the rest of the game because basically everyone you are going up against is a horrible person. Like you are changing. We talked about Okamura is basically the best of the bunch. And even him, he sees his uh, employees as just like, not scum, but just like they can do, you know. Well, they're cocks if they in really the machine. And if, exactly. You yes. Know. Yes. If they really, you know, they can get another job if they wanted to. But if they're going to work for me, they're going to work 80 hour weeks, you know, uh, you know, sort of like how we mentioned the the manga industry, right? Something like that. Um, and, and so you always get these horrible people. So this idea is never really fully pursued, but I think that would be like, to me, that would be an interesting idea for a game. Like you could, Mm -hmm. you could have cut the the last half where there's a ton of plot that happens in this game. And it would have been interesting to just follow that out and just see like, Oh, is this what you should? And maybe it's just cause you know, I'm used to sort of comic book stories and like, this is something that is talked about um, when you have, you know, a superhero, someone with particular powers who does these things. Um, so I, I just thought that was interesting because it, it really brings into question You know, you as a player, too, you could go kind of meta with that, you know, is this really what you ought to be doing in this game, even though you're being railroaded into a specific story, Um, because it really does come down to the idea. And this is what I kind of mentioned, um, and how your article West talked about this, of like, what really is the standard of right and wrong? Right and, and can we really expect a video game to answer that for us? No, I'm not, I'm not saying it can, but mm-hmm. it could have like delved into this a bit more because you need to have a standard, right? You need to say, no, like this is right. This is Again, there are reasons we have laws and this game just kind of shoos that away in favor of like, well, that's not working and this is working. So mm-hmm. let's continue to do this. Well, it's the, um,
0: the dangers of like pragmatism. Like-
4: right. You right. know. which you understand now later when things go off the freaking rails, you understand why <laughs> that happens. So it does kind of like make sense within its own universe. It just, um, that would have been an interesting way to go that kind of just falls by the wayside for a good 35 hours of playtime. So mm-hmm. anyways, that was one of the themes that I picked up on that I was like, ah, oh, no, it, they just kind of dropped it.
0: And, and so we'll pick this this back up here in a minute but um this this next palace or plot point whatever the sinajima size casino and the oh, yeah, yeah. the akachi mm-hmm. or goro or whatever um mm-hmm. so goro uh akachi is a sort of he, he's the detective prince is that what they call mm-hmm. him and, and mm-hmm. is this sort of like he's a super sleuth sort of celebrity sort of character that Drops in every once in a while. Doesn't have a ton of real relevance. I mean, you see some like little cinematic stuff and and it alludes to the fact that he's been working with the police to t- try and uh, track down the, the Phantom Thieves connection, mm-hmm. whatever. And Sai is actually Makoto's older sister. This is sort of where the game sort of like goes off the rails. And basically this is like, you start the game out in in the casino. The, the initial gameplay stuff is in the casino and then there, everything else is a flashback. And this is where, and I, and I'm, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but this is where the game picks back up, and you actually start in, temporally, you're actually not recalling anything, you're just moving forward at this point in time. Yeah, you're in so, the present day, basically. Yeah, you, you get caught up, and here, from this point on, this is no longer, yeah, this is present day on. So there's this big convoluted thing where, it, Goro, it turns out that Goro Akachi is... Mm-hmm. A bad guy. He's actually the man in black, Um, Mm. and it will be revealed in this. Like he is the uh, the sort of the hidden hand of the bad guy. He's the one who killed uh, Okamura. He's been the one responsible for all the the mental shutdowns. He's been the agent Mm. here. Um, And there's this whole convoluted interrogation room. Ocean's Eleven. just bonkers like they they tried to have this really it's like i it's like playing 40 chess underwater sort of thing like it's yeah Mm -hmm. it is the most ridiculous i mean it's sort of interesting but it's just this convoluted contrived nonsensical thing where basically they set a trap and they know exactly how he's gonna and they they basically make him think that he's killed joker that um mm. and that but joker faked his death using the cognitive realm and all this other stuff and it's just mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is bizarre and it's nonsensical and it serves almost no purpose other than to just confound anybody who is trying to make sense of the story at this point in time
4: yeah was- and i will say for me it started out when a is like i brought in the entire police force and they didn't realize they were in the the cognitive world i'm like what what like, up until this point, like, everyone freaks out when they're able to get there. And now you have, like, an entire, like, you know, dozens of police cars and policemen coming in. What? What is even going on here? But, anyways, it, it's, it's fun. It, you know, it's a plot contrivance just so that you can kind of outsmart the really smart dudes. So that that's kind of how I felt about it. And yeah, it, the whole, um, interrogation room we'll call it segment is just eh. you kind of just have to throw your hands up and say yeah that's the only way that they can make it work okay it doesn't really make sense it's absolutely paper thin but okay
3: it's like when you're watching those detective dramas and like monk or something and this is like okay here's what really happened and he goes on a spiel for like several minutes of like oh this is actually what was happening in the background and i knew this whole thing the whole time and everything and it's like I think there's a specific word for that in like detective fiction, but they Mm. kind of bumbled their way through it, honestly. And it took like it was like a two hour long cutscene where they're going through all the information, basically. Like even for me, I'm just like, all right, this is about the time where I start skipping through things.
4: Yeah, well, it is funny because later there's a scene where you meet up with Joker meets up with Futaba, and she's like, "I'll bet you were wondering about this," Uh, you know, basically like telling you this was a plot hole, but we thought about it, and this is how she did it. I stayed up, I pulled up an all nighter in order to make this work. And I just thought that was funny because it felt like it was kind of breaking the fourth wall of like, we realize this is ridiculous, but we're going to give you more. We're going to try and plug up those plot holes anyway. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was funny.
0: It's, it's definitely like out of all of the sort of like, like this is a very anime-ish game. This is one of the most anime moments in the entire thing. This is about as contrived and as goofy as Death Notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yep. It's just yep. like, no, it's like, I, I predicted your move from the, you know, and it's like, oh, for Pete's sake, like yes. it, enough. And yeah, you know, you say in your notes, Wes, and I think this is where the plot comes to the head. Like at this point in time, sort of all the cards are on the table. All of the stuff that's sort of been alluded to, well, for the most part, yeah, as far as the, <laughs> the, the base the story. The table gets flipped over later. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this no. is where we fight Shido. He's the big bad. He's the one who framed Joker. He's the one who's been behind all of this. He's a political mogul, and he's the one who killed Futaba's mom. He's like the big bad. Turns out, you, you get through his thing, and his little his dungeon's kind of neat, because he's the, the, the captain of the ship, and he's going to steer Japan into a new era of whatever. Make and, Japan uh, great again. Yeah, he's yeah. going to make Japan yeah. great again. But you beat him, and it turns out he's not really the big bad. The big bad is the Chalice or the demo Urge or whatever that goofy name is. And this is where the game sort of, this is the part that we really wanted to talk about. So basically you go through this and uh, I I can't say the actual name because it's just, it's too many consonants and vowels all jumbled up together, but it is basically the Gnostic Demiurge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, basically a being of order and the whole game, he actually like kidnapped and subverted Igor. He's the one who imprisoned Joker. There's all sorts of stuff there. Mm -hmm. You fight him. And this is the, the most interesting sort of like bit of context and stuff in, in the game that I, I really wanted to talk about. When you fight him and you sort of get to the last moments, he is defeated by Joker sort of revealing his ultimate persona, which is Satana L or Satan. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at one point in time, it's like, what does the universe do? when a you know a, a god of order goes rogue it brings in a giant devil and there's so the the thing that sort of struck me about this is that there are very and, and I'm going to say this satanic in the sense that it applies to sort of the the satan worship today now I'm not talking about actual demon worship I'm talking about like the satanic follow your bliss sort of stuff the the non mystical mm-hmm. sa- satanism but basically what this game is 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 sort of saying is that only you can only really be free by casting off order and giving in to you know aligning yourself with satan in a way when that moment happened i was like oh this is a very cool scene and then it was sort of like oh 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 <laughs> like um and and so all of this builds up to this moment where you have this where satan or basically rebellion against order or rebellion against God is seen as the
3: ultimate good. And I just, or in true SMT fashion, chaos versus law.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that like, you know, and Josh, when you and I were originally talking about this and I pointed that out to you and you were like, Oh, it, it changes. Like this moment changes everything else in the game. Like right. this bookend makes everything else different and and i just want to you know like this is what we've we really wanted to talk about so Mm -hmm.
4: yeah so i i i do have to give a little bit more nuance in order to make sense of it in the way that this game constructs it um because because the this yaldabaoth character is is very evil throughout the, the the entire game. So so he basically set up we're talking about four D chess here. He was the one who gave the powers to Shido in order to become what he became and to Akechi so that he can go and murder people. He was also the one who was training up Joker in order to fight them. So he was like playing both sides Basically, Mm -hmm. so it was so he could prove to the world that um, humanity is useless and you need order like you need you need him to rule over you in order to feel good like everyone just succumbs to this chalice the holy grail of giving up your desires. Because it does also show in the end of the game that all of those characters that you had, uh, that had not mental breakdowns, um, but the ones that you had saved, you know, the, the Kanashiro and the, the Kamashita and these characters, um, Madarame, they actually just give up. You know, they have these distorted desires that you saved them from. They end up just completely giving up and going with the flow of society. And that is worshiping this Yaldabaoth. And so he's saying everyone, like this is what humanity does, is they end up just losing all desire and going with the flow. And so this is what everyone ought to do because you guys are basically just worthless. You need someone, you need order in order to, uh, to, to function. And, and so I am going to bring this order um, and this was all just to prove to you all that you need me. Um, and also the idea of using the demiurge that as the, because he is a, a Gnostic God. It, it's basic, The Gnostics basically believed that the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament was this harsh, evil deity because they also believed that material was evil and spirit was good. Mm. And so this Demiurge created everything, created material and tried to make it good, um, which went against its nature. So so everything was inherently distorted. Sorry, I'm just kind of like running through this really quickly. Um, it gets kind of complicated, but I think that plays a big part into this character. So it's not, if you were to just say, okay, well, this is the God character and you are the Satan character to fight him. Like, yeah, I mean you can have that perception, but I think they intentionally use this evil God character as the order, right? So it's it's like um what is it lawful evil, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a true depiction of God, which is not that
0: but <laughs> at I, all. I think and and I I agree with you, but here's <laughs> the interesting thing. In a way, we we can as as believers we can look at this and say that's not a, a an honest depiction of who god is that's mm-hmm. and like but this is how the world sees it they see yes. you know, god mm-hmm. as being sort of a force for order or whatever as that's evil like how dare anyone tell me what to do you know and it's mm-hmm. like you know but, and th- they would see the this liberator you know in in quotation air quotes here you know as you know satan as being a, a rebel and it's like rebellion right. is is a, is treated
3: as a virtue, which is just an mm-hmm. interesting like. And then, kind of going along with this, I don't have this in the notes. This will maybe be new information to you guys. But this whole scenario that they kind of worked out for this game is like almost taking directly from Persona One and Persona Two. Honestly, the framework oh. of those games, and it's three games since Persona Two is split into two parts. But the <laughs> idea behind that is that you have Philemon, who's like this lawful, good force, and he makes a bet with, uh, I, I'm going to butcher this name because it's Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. but Narlathotep, who is mm-hmm. this basically the god of destruction, basically almost exactly the same as Yaldabaoth, and they're basically making a bet, is humanity going to become enlightened, or are they going to destroy themselves? And they took the, mm-hmm. that same type of framing device and kind of flipped it around here because in some ways it, it's not the same type of bet, but it's a similar type of understanding, like, you know, enslaving humanity versus, like, actually mm-hmm. humanity destroying themselves, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating to me, honestly, like, how they're really recalling yeah. things that they've already done before, but kind of spinning it in a new way, and if you're familiar with, like, Lovecraftian Mythos, or this character, Philemon, who's apparently, like, actually in this game, like, in the form of the butterfly or something, like, I guess that's mm-hmm. who he is in every single game, but it's like, he's granting the power of the persona to the users, but... This time it was granted by, like, the false Igor, who, interesting thing, like, because the voice actor had to change in Japan because the original voice actor died, they kind of use that as, like, a plot point in this, because you listen to his voice at the beginning, it's completely different from the Igor that you've heard before in the previous games, and then they bring that original voice actor back later on when the real Igor comes back, basically. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Brief aside, I don't know. Whatever that means, basically. It's just really interesting to see, like... They're trying to wrestle with these themes, but because of their worldview, yeah. it's like they cannot reconcile it. Like this is just going to always be a problem within their worldview. This law versus chaos dynamic. I don't know if that makes any sense, but
4: yeah, yeah, no. totally. And and I'd say also in in that again, I'm talking about nuance here. Is that the character? Uh, the, Again, it didn't hit me. You you mentioned this, Nate. It didn't hit me. Oh yeah, Sataniel. No, that's Satan. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> another word for Satan. Um, your main character, his ultimate persona is Satan. Like you have to wrestle with that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think again to add a little bit more nuance to me, it's more of like the character of Satan, still evil. Don't get me wrong. In uh, Milton's Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. where Satan is. Um, like he does rebel, but he does it out of a sense of this is what's best as opposed to pure evil, if that makes sense, which the reality, you know, I believe the a, a prideful arrogance to be above God. Um, and so, again, it's just a slight nuance. I can't you know, I can't reconcile the fact that you're you've made a deal with Satan the entire game. Um, because even as I look, as I think about the themes of the game, how these dungeons were the seven deadly sins, how you were saving people from these these sins, and then that is actually what you use to defeat Yaldabaoth. In the very last, in the very end of the fight, when you you reveal Sataniel, he pulls out a gun, and it literally says he uses, a, the bullet is the seven deadly sins in order to, mm. t- to take out Yaldabaoth. And- mm. Like, as cool as that feels in the moment, it's just like, no, 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 wait a second. There's That's so much what wrong I was with this. Fighting. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like, I, I get that you're trying to give a big middle finger to order, right? To law, to lawfulness, because it has been so oppressive throughout the game. But wait a second, those seven deadly sins were what made it so oppressive. So, like, why are you incorporating that into your salvation story, Right. Um, And it, it, um, I I did watch a YouTube video that kind of talked about how it framed the the story in terms of extremes like you have the extreme end of of desire of these distorted desires that come out through the palaces right and then you have the on the other end the extreme apathy of absolutely no desire and just wanting to go with the status quo and so what you have in the main character this is what the the youtube video talked about was that you have to use this desire purposefully right you have to break the chains of society while still working within society to a certain aspect and i thought that was very insightful i just i i feel like it wasn't um necessarily brought out very well like it wasn't laid out in such a way because it just feels Sorry, I'm thinking of a word that I don't necessarily want to say on the air, but it just feels really cool to pull out this huge gun and shoot Yaldabaoth in the head because he's been such a a-hole, uh, you know, just bringing about the destruction of the world and like, ha ha ha, I'm so much better than you. And this is what everyone wants. Can't you see that? Like, It feels good to just be like, no, I'm going to believe that like we can do this. But at the same time, you also see these distorted desires. You see the fallenness of humanity. So it's like, what are you really trusting in? You're trusting in your friends, you know, and in the inherent goodness of mankind, even though you've seen its evil through the rest of the game. And Wes, this is something that you brought out in the article that you wrote. Is like, can we really expect an answer uh, from someone who doesn't who doesn't have a Christian worldview? Right? Can you really expect them to to wrestle with these deep, you know, existential things and come out the other end with a satisfying answer? Ultimately, no, because <laughs> they don't have the answer. Um, what feels cool in the moment doesn't necessarily pan out in in a way. Because even if you do go with, say, that that YouTuber's um, assessment of the game, where does the line stand? Right? Okay, you have to you have to you know break some bonds while also working within the confines of society. Okay, well, where is that line? Like, is that different for other people? Like, doesn't that just kind of circle around into the same problem that we had at the beginning? Eventually, (laughs) like, how is society built? Because it's built by people. Um, You know, maybe this game would say, "Oh no, it's the collective unconscious." Okay, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the in the end of the day, that's people. those are those are other human beings who constructed those systems so um going along with
3: that sorry i'm interrupting but no you're good i I don't want to lose this thought but um going along with that you know seeing as how the trailer for shin megami tensei shin megami (laughs) came out it looks like like i think what you said in our discord it's like it's a complete reversal because you're fighting against complete chaos and you are Mm -hmm. going to bring order back to this world and it almost feels like the other side of the coin of this game, it, you know, works out perfectly because of the fifth entry in both the series. So I'm really looking mm. forward to seeing like, mm. how are they going to wrestle with that properly, honestly, and really oh, yeah. like do justice to that? Or is it just going to end up in much of the same way where it's just kind of feels like a muddled mess. And it's just like the swing of the pendulum back and forth, back and forth again. So I'm mm. really looking forward to seeing how that plays out.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, to, to borrow from the preset boys, uh, you know yeah. this th- this question, or if if you look at Persona Five and you ask the question, according to what standard, the the answer from Persona Five is like a big like, I don't know. You that know, it's a
4: Persona for every
0: standard. Yeah, right? um,
4: <laughs> do whatever one you want to wear.
0: You know, and I I think like in a, in a in a way, the ending this ending to Persona Five really does sort of paint a. I I don't know if they would even recognize it for but a a very honest picture of like the world's relationship with God. The way that the mm-hmm. the world outside of the regenerative, you know, outside of the blood of Christ looks at God. Like it's like God is this giant like, you know, if if the God of the Bible exists according you, you know th- to some of these people's understanding, he is a tyrant. He is, you know, just a heartless cruel you know dictator and they really would look at satan or you know even that that sort of perspective as being freedom you know i think even sort of looking at the american sort of fascination or uh, there's a word obsession with autonomy as like you know nobody can tell anybody what to do reality can't define me You, you know like you look at all of sort of the the weird stuff going on with the, the 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 loosening of the sexual ethic and everything else, and it's just like this game. I think can be a very provocative jump-off point, or it can just be like a cool, like oh, a giant devil shot, <laughs>
3: you know, God in the head with a sin gun. Um, <laughs> but so, anyways, anyhow, I want to leave off on this final thought? Just a couple things I want to address, and then. Maybe I'll go ahead and leave you guys to end out the show. But in my opinion, this game, Persona 5 as a whole, you know, obviously made better in many ways by Persona 5 Royal, it's a great example of like flawed masterpiece in that it just really mm. wants to have its cake and eat it too. And mm. we're pointing out mm. all these like riddling contradictions that are inherent in the actual story and a lot of this narrative problems that we're pointing out and this whole issue with the law and the chaos and everything. And I just think it's like, as frustrating as it has been playing it sometimes. And in many ways, Paul's right. It's kind of a bit of a Stockholm thing. It's like, I just want to see this through <laughs> to the end and everything. But in, in many ways, like I appreciate the fact that it actually does try to wrestle with these issues. It will do so in a terrible way. Most of the time, especially when it comes to Anne. but it will actually <laughs> try to wrestle. And you don't see that. I mean, at least within the types of games I play, but I play mostly, you know, Nintendo games. So they don't really get neat, you know, deep in any way, shape or form. <laughs> actually being able to see a game that's trying to wrestle with these issues and are they wrong in many ways of course they are they they, they got a flawed worldview they're not really like answering to the god of scripture in any way shape or form and are actually an act of rebellion so obviously the creators are never going to put this in a proper light that i'm going to be satisfied with but just taking that framework and everything and trying to understand what their thoughts are and really studying their culture because a lot of their culture comes out of it i think what you have is this really good like case study of like this is where this society is at this point, and this is what they're wrestling with. How can we help them with that? Or how can we help mm-hmm. ourselves by understanding basically a mirror of what we're actually looking at in our situation? And I think in that way, it does its job. It doesn't do it great, but it does it pretty well. So that's my thoughts on that.
0: Well, Wes, Dude, be- I, love be- I know you got to go, but before you go, plug your stuff, tell people where they can find you.
3: I am Wes. I am the and Dad. I like all the tokusatsu stuff, Power Rangers, Kamen Rider, Ultraman, super big on Ultraman right now. And you can find Otoromanze. me on the podcast. <laughs> <Sorry>. Gino! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. You can find me at the Hench and Dad podcast, anchor.fm slash Hench and Dad and Twitter, same handle right there, Hench and Dad. And yeah, I haven't put out an episode in a while, but I'm just like super busy doing landscaping stuff and reading twenty books at a time. So you know, I'm thinking <laughs> about Persona Five too much, way too much for one person. So find me there. There you go.
4: You can chop this up into little ten minute segments and throw it in there. <laughs> I'll have <laughs> just episodes for the end of the year, basically. Yeah. Wanted to just say thanks for coming on, Wes.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we are very glad to be part of the Playwell Network with you
3: and, yes. and our friends over at the, the Retro Station. So Thank you for the invitation to come on and talk about this. And at this point, I kind of hope I never have to think about it again. I- <laughs> well,
0: see, I was going to actually ask you to do a bite-sized about your problems with Anne's character.
4: <laughs> but Oh, well. Do you really want to focus on that? <laughs> maybe, maybe
3: scramble too, because they, they do some interesting oh, things man. there, but, oh, but I could get on with so many tangents, but I shouldn't. <laughs> so,
0: all right. So, well, we know you got to get going, man. So,
3: all right. Well, thank you guys for inviting me and everything you say here from here on out, I'm not responsible for. So, you know, <laughs> choose your words wisely, play well, play wise. Well, Josh,
0: they know where to find Wes. They've been listening to us. Where can they find us?
4: Well, there's a ton of ways that you can actually find us on the internet. If you want to get a little bit more personal um, on Facebook, we have our group, the backlog, the hashtag backlog book club. You yes. can email us directly at the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. Our handle is at BB We do have a discord server. Uh, let us know if you want in and we will send you a link to that. And then if you want to get super personal All kinds of different platforms, uh, you know, GG, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, PSN, Switch, whatever. I generally go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. And Nate goes by...
0: Nate underscore McKeever.
4: Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. McKeever, uh, for giving your son a perfect handle for all of his uh, internet... Branding needs... There you go a perfect brand um, And also if you dig what we do here on the backlog breakdown, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast um, hopefully you're subscribed if you if you dig it and we'd love for you to share with your friends you know what we do here doing a little bit more you know deep dives here today on Persona 5 but some of these themes that we talk about we try and kind of dig just a little bit deeper and to find, some of the best things about our experiences with gaming. Um, or if you want to support us financially, we do also have a Patreon. That's real mm-hmm. simple. Patreon.com slash the backlog breakdown. So think of it like a tip jar, you know, throw a dollar in there. If, if you enjoy what we're doing.
0: And if you like what we do, um, you know, and we, we talked about it. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, we are part of the, the play well network. Is it play? Well, it's I, yes. my brain it's late. I'm old man brain. I'm tired. Get off my lawn. You know, old man <laughs> yells at clouds sort of thing. It's been a lot of yelling at weather lately. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are members of uh, the Playwell network along with, you know, West, AKA the and dad and uh, the, the fine folks over at the retro station. We would encourage you to check them out um, and uh, you know, share the love, you know,
4: yeah you can find all of our podcasts also at playwellnetwork.com yeah we have that going for us there too
0: yeah thanks big big shout out to uh paul aka the techno funk boy
4: yes man he's just awesome awesome
0: sauce (laughs) well we have done the things that we you know we did our thing and whether we did it well or not that's up to the listener um you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder or something. Yeah. So quality is in the ear of the listener in this case. Um
4: but all that we can guarantee is that we're bad at brevity.
0: Yes. That's, um, that's about it. Yeah, you know, we're really good at being bad at brevity. We we make no other go. claims, uh but <laughs> we have done all the things that we came to do. Um or at least, you know, whatever. We made it we made a valiant attempt. So Josh, what should they do?
4: Guys, you keep beating down your backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.
0: And the final word goes again to Wesley. In the Discord, he types, or posts, whatever, yeah. Sometimes Amara is just Amara. Gross. Worst (laughs) enemy design. (laughs) Ever.